Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. It's graduation season, so today we're sharing a story from first-time storyteller Lisa Jerez Artis. Lisa told her story while dressed in full cap and gown regalia on May 15th, 2019 at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the show was Alter Egos. Hello, everybody. I promise I didn't get lost. I'm, <laughs> I, I meant to be here. I'm not supposed to be at a graduation. So um, I actually... Uh, I'm going to be graduating with my master's degree in architecture in three days, which is crazy. It's crazy. I can't believe it. But um, I purchased this ensemble for $55, this trash bag, really, to be honest. Um, And I fully intend on getting my money's worth. That's why I'm wearing it in front of you right now. Um, And they actually don't let you keep it after the ceremony, which is bullshit. Bullshit. And yeah, exactly. And so that being said... uh, Technically, this gown at $55 for one hour during the ceremony is going to be earning a better salary than I will coming out of grad school. So, um, (laughs) that being said, uh, I I was born in the U.S., uh, but I just recently got my dual citizenship in Costa Rica. So, my full name includes my mother's maiden name, and for the ceremony, I wanted to say, I wanted to be called out as Lisa Jerez Artis, but they asked me to pay for that tiny little Jerez, like another hundred dollars or something like that so i was like no forget it why would i do that i I can be lisa jerez artist in front of you guys tonight so that's fine so um my parents met uh at a family reunion and i no that's not like a that's not like a redneck joke i promise it's not alabama so um (laughs) so uh my dad's half costa rican and he uh was visiting family down in costa rica obviously and uh my mom was there just as a friend of the family and they locked eyes across the room and he goes, she is beautiful. And then she goes, gracias a Dios, he is American. <laughs> and so that's, that's how they met, and they moved stateside and uh, made a life together, and that's how I came about. So every year we would go visit um, extended family, like the 6,000 members that I have down there. And uh, I ended up uh, kind of realizing different personality traits and weird quirks that exist within the Costa Rican culture. That's totally different from here. So one of the things that I've definitely, that's rubbed off on me is Tico time. And a Tico is what a Costa Rican is. Um, That's what they're called. And Tico time essentially means like, they say they're going to be there in 30 minutes, but it's notorious bullshit. They will not be there until three hours later. And so it's kind of like having this really laxed, like really go with the flow, super smooth, you know, whatever culture. And uh, there's this phrase down there that's very specific to Costa Rica that's, um, that a lot of people actually know. It's pura vida. Anybody know pura vida? Pura vida! Yay! So it kind of um, embodies the entire essence of the culture, and it's used for greetings and for goodbyes and for how are you doing and, like, just a general outcry like we just did, pura vida. And so um, it's, it really means, like, being completely fulfilled, entirely satisfied with everything that you have in your life, not needing a single thing more and um, getting the sensation that everything is, is super, you know, no worries and, and, and stress-free. It's like very similar to Hakuna Matata, but we claimed it first, I swear, okay? <laughs> so my life became very not Hakuna Matata when my parents ended up splitting up. 
Um, I knew kind of from a pretty young age that they weren't compatible. And so the thing that caught us, though, is that he ended up remarrying my mom's best friend, who's Venezuelan. Which sounds like the plot to a telenovela, I promise. But it's, it, it happened. I swear it happened. So um, my mom had a really tough time making it here financially. And so she ended up having to move back to Costa Rica, which I'm not, you know, no angst, no anger. Um, she uh, had to be around people who were going to support her and love her. And uh, so at 20 years old, and this is a very unpopular opinion, she was my best freaking friend. Um, and I mean, more like a sister. She's a huge pain in my ass. I mean... But I, I love her nonetheless, like the most, more than anything on the planet. So uh, she, when I dropped her off at the airport to say goodbye, um, I promised myself two things. Number one, I would do whatever it would take to take care of this woman in the future. And number two, I would be, we would be a family again together someday, hopefully in the same, same country. Um, and so... Uh, since then, my life has just been this constant, constant like struggle and uh, um, trying to be this ambitious workaholic a- anxiety addict of becoming something for myself and also making good on those promises, those two promises I made. And um, like any good student, this uh, past final semester, I booked a flight back to paradise in the middle of midterms. And um, totally, I really pissed off a lot of professors, actually. So I got to get back to them on that. Um, but uh, I went to go visit uh, for my cousin's wedding. And I also went to go hike the highest peak in the country, um, which is called Chiripo. And so when I went, um, literally, I was like, OK, this is going to be the decision maker. I'm going to decide, stay in Colorado or go to Costa Rica right after graduation, which sounds like a very hefty decision to make just based on a hike. So, uh, but I was like, whatever. I mean, 7,218 feet in elevation gain sounds like a lot of ground to cover. I can use that time to figure things out. And so um, I went over and uh, every single person that I encountered, like up to and during the hike, ended up asking me the same question. Con quien vas? Who are you going with? And I was like, uh, sola, yo voy sola, I'm going alone. And the amount of terror and fear in every single Costa Rican's heart that they saw, like, it it was just like, I saw the whites of their eyes and they were like, don't do it. What are you doing? You need to bring somebody with you. And I was like, what are these people not telling me? And so, because I mean, here in Colorado, it's like, it's a regular Wednesday for somebody to go do some multi-day trek that's in the Alpines that's life-dangering. Like, so I was like, whatever, it's fine. And, and so there I was like, okay, people are really freaked out. I should check on the death toll count or something. <laughs> and so uh, I ended up, uh, you know, just kind of thinking about that the whole way through up to the, um, the what's it called? It's called refugio in, in Spanish. I can't even think of the word in English. Base camp. There we go. Um, so at the base camp uh, where you stay overnight, it was family style seating. And um, everybody was, you couldn't tell which person belonged to which group because they were all intermingled because that's literally just the nature of los ticos. They refuse to have any single person be a stranger. They must know every single person, and they're all family. And so I was sitting there, and I, I grabbed a book behind the desk, and um, it was about the national park just to kill some time before going to bed. And so I had my, my face kind of just, like, mushed in it, looking at these breathtaking photos of the peak. And this man who had passed earlier on the trail had walked up to me, who recognized me, and had said, he kind of just put his hand out really softly and gently, like super sweet, just putting down the book. So I would peel my eyes away from it and look up at him. And he goes, no puedes leerlo. Tienes que vivirlo. Which means you can't read about it. 
you have to live it. And I had no idea that I was going to encounter my own personal Rafiki on this trip. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. So his, his words were literally just echoing in my mind the entire night through. And so by the time that 2 a.m. came along, because that's when you got to get up in order to make, the, make the, the, basically the scramble to the summit before sunrise, um, I ended up uh, uh, you know, getting my gear ready. And I was remembering that people were talking about the night before saying, you better go with somebody who, who knows the way because there's a turn that you could really most likely miss. And I was like, shit, I don't got anybody to go with. So, um, And then I was looking around for my headlamp and I realized that it was being pressed down by other things in my pack. So it was on and dying. So by the time that I, I literally realized that and I was like, shit, I'm fucked. So I got to <laughs> sprint out of the bunks and then meet up with another group that I had befriended the day before. And I was desperate and I was frantically asking them, like, is there any way that you can smush be between, like, one person behind and one person in front so I can have a little bit of light in front and back and I'll be fine somehow and I'll make it to the top. So they did me one better and they gave me a, a pair of batteries, extra batteries, and I was like, a college-educated woman probably should have thought of that. <laughs> but anyways. Um, so then at that point, uh, I had gotten to the top and... And I, I was profusely thanking them. And I was like, let me take as many photos as you want of your group. I, I don't care. It's totally fine. I'll be up here an hour if you need me to. And then um, she ended up saying, one of the girls kind of laughed and said, no, ya te adoptamos. Like, you, we already adopted you. You're in this photo. And I mean, at that moment, it, I just, everything clicked for me. And I just realized I've been living my life calculating, planning, and preparing for everything. And for what? When I'm not even going to enjoy the best part of being tica which is living the pura vida way. And I, I realized that I could just take all these amazing personality traits that I have within my family, within these people on the hike, within the, my entire culture, and bring it here in my life so I don't get so upset that I'm away from the people who matter to me most. And at that point, I, I was at the peak. The sun was just barely rising above the horizon. And and so as I stood there um, looking over the clouds on a country that I will forever love but have no idea if I'll actually ever get to live in, I kind of just stood there with my um, graduation stole overhead that has signatures from all my tios and, and primos and sobrinos y mi madrecita. And I stood there with so much pride and realized I will always have my family and my culture with me, no matter where I go or what I do. Thank you. The Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with support from Scott Carney, Karen Wattell, Jesse Witten, and Robert Rutherford. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theater Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. We'd also like to thank Teacup Gorilla, who provided the music you're listening to right now, and fans just like you, who attend our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. For more information about our storytellers or the narrators, visit thenarrators.org and find, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.